We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 430 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, October 27th, 2022, the day after the announcement of a reunion of the Big Three. Yes, the Big Three. Big Wizards news on Wednesday morning. The Wizards will reunite the Big Three of Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, and Antoine Jameson. This to celebrate throwback night in recognition of the team's 25th anniversary since rebranding to the Wizards. So the game will take place Friday night, November 18th, Miami Heat at Capital One Arena. And as part of throwback night, the team will recognize Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, and Antoine Jameson at a halftime celebration for the players' contributions to the franchise. Uh, Gilbert, Karan, and Antoine played together from 2005-2006 to 2009-2010, led the Wizards to three consecutive playoff appearances 2006 through 2008. And of course, the most significant aspect in all of this is that the Wizards are honoring Gilbert Arenas, with whom things did not end well. Uh, Gilbert is one of the most polarizing athletes in Washington, D.C. sports over the last 20 years. He, in so many ways, has represented so much of what has been wrong with the Wizards. But he, at his peak, was a tremendous offensive player for the Wizards. Uh, Now, notice I did not say a tremendous player for the Wizards because defense was a rumor with our guy Gil, Uh, but he was an electrifying offensive player. He was, as he was known as, the hibachi. Uh, And a lot of Wizards fans will tell you that the most fun that they've had as Wizards fans was during the days of Pete Gilbert. So this should be fun, the reuniting of Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, and Antoine Jameson. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Speaking of fun, uh, I have some scheduled fun for you coming up in a bit. Uh, Courtesy of Commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, who on Wednesday was the team's acting head coach with the actual head coach, Rod Rivera, missing practice due to a personal matter concerning his mother. Uh, It was Jack who did the usual Rod Rivera Wednesday afternoon post-practice press conference and uh, some unintentional comedy took place. Uh, But we also have a lot of very serious, non-comedic commander's items to discuss as the team has begun its practice week for this Sunday afternoon's big game at the Indianapolis Colts at 425. Next segment, I'm talking commander's defense is we have another delay with the return of edge defender Chase Young. You know, the expectation was that his practice window would be activated on Wednesday. That did not happen. Uh, He was to have yet another doctor visit. Uh, How concerning is how long this return of Chase Young is taking? Uh, Or maybe, just maybe, this is actually a good thing. Uh, I'll also discuss the challenge of the commanders on Sunday facing a quarterback in Sam Ellinger, who has never started an NFL regular season game. And then I have a lot for you on the commander's offense, including a busy injury report 
And really good stuff from quarterback Taylor Heineke in his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. A big topic was Taylor's relationship with and connection with receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, If you are a Commanders fan, you do not want to miss what Taylor had to say. Also on the show, some college football, a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia Tech's game at number 24 NC State on Thursday night at 7.30. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Thomas Robinson III, a.k.a. TR3, uh, on something that Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz apparently did after the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon, writes Thomas, what are your thoughts on Carson Wentz running up to shake Aaron Rodgers' hand before Taylor Heineke did? No big deal or character flaw indicator? I wonder if Dak Prescott ran out to shake opposing quarterbacks' hands before Cooper Rush did. I wouldn't even question it for any other position, but the head coaches and the starting quarterbacks giving the ceremonial good games seems like an unspoken custom that Wentz decided should be his. Thank you for the email, Thomas. Uh, I would not read too much into Carson Wentz running up to shake Aaron Rodgers' hand before Taylor Heineke did. Uh, Not now, anyway. If we get other signs of Carson being jealous of Taylor or of Carson trying to undermine Taylor, Uh, then yeah, I will retroactively make a big deal of this. But so far, Carson has said and done all of the right things as a commander's quarterback. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, especially considering that the ends of NFL games are chaotic messes, especially the end of this game with the crazy multilateral play by the Packers. So there are a number of potential acceptable explanations for why Carson got to Rodgers before Taylor did. Email from Dave in Elkton, Maryland on the commander's quarterback situation. Writes Dave, my feeling is they should stick with Taylor Heineke and develop Sam Howell. I have been impressed since the day Tay-Tay came here. The knock against him going into last year was that he may not be able to stay healthy, and he seems to have worked through that. Then the knock was that he has a weak arm. Well, he threw a couple of deep balls on Sunday. This tells me that he has worked on that. He has a sum total of one season. You could say that last year was pretty much his rookie year, and he's cheap, and everyone loves him, fans and players. And with the so-called quarterback rich draft next year, how many times have we heard that only to have most of the quarterbacks not amount to much? The other thing is that my belief is that if Taylor had been the quarterback for the Tennessee game, we would have won. So love the way that Washington ran the ball on Sunday was the most fun that I have had at a game since Robert Griffin III was here. As Tanya Snyder said, hail to the Redskins. (laughs) Thank you for the email, Dave. Uh, Glad that you had fun at that win over the Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. That was an exciting game. Uh, You know, the commanders in that game, we haven't really talked about this, overcame a 14-3 second quarter deficit. Uh, As I have talked about, I do think that Rod Rivera will stick with Taylor Heineke as the commander starting quarterback if Taylor plays well. I think that Taylor remaining the commander starting quarterback for the rest of the season is very much in play. And Ron's answer at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday morning to the question regarding a potential quarterback controversy further solidified my belief, uh, as did what Taylor's college head coach, former Old Dominion head coach Bobby Wilder said in my conversation with him on Wednesday's show, episode 429. Coach Wilder was great, by the way. A lot of good insight on Taylor and his situation with the Commanders. Whether the Commanders would have won the game against the Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5 had Taylor been the Commanders' starting quarterback is tricky. 21-17 was the final score of that game. Carson Wentz, yes, did throw the game-sealing interception on the next-to-last snap of the game, and he did quarterback a Commanders' offense that went 1-11 of on third downs, but also from Carson in that game was him going 25-38 of for 359 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 9.45 yards per pass attempt. He, in the game for Pro Football Focus, had five big-time throws. Uh, I wouldn't be so certain that Taylor Heineke would have been better against the Titans than Carson Wentz was, but that is possible. Uh, And yeah, good point about the 2023 NFL draft. This is why, when I call it a quarterback-rich draft, 
I always use a qualifier, like the draft is perceived to be a quarterback-rich draft, or the draft is poised to be a quarterback-rich draft, because, yeah, we do not know. What we do know is that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices or false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. Uh, If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wrong, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what's best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, we joke and we kid and we analyze and we criticize a lot on this podcast. And all of that is part of the fun of talking sports. But I do want to send the very best to Commander's head coach Ron Rivera and his family. Uh, Ron was not at Commander's practice on Wednesday due to being in California, tending to a personal matter concerning his mother. Uh, What exactly that matter is, we do not know. But Obviously, you as an NFL head coach don't fly from Virginia to California and miss a practice the Wednesday before a big game on the upcoming Sunday to tend to a personal matter concerning your mom if that matter isn't serious. So all the best to Ron and his family. Uh, As you may recall, Ron in early February missed Senior Bowl week in Mobile, Alabama and missed the announcement of the name commanders on February 2nd on, wait for it, 2.2.22 in order to be in California to celebrate his dad's birthday. Uh, So this situation with Ron's mom perhaps adds new context to Ron being away as he was in early February. And so with Ron out on Wednesday, the commander's acting head coach was defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, who of course has plenty of experience as an NFL head coach. Jack was the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach from January 2003 to November 2011, and Jack was the Oakland Raiders head coach from January 2015 to December 2017. It was Jack who acted as Washington's head coach when Ron Rivera missed practices during the 2020 season due to his cancer. Next segment, I'm going to talk commander's offense. Right now, I'm going to talk commander's defense. So the 3-3 three and three commanders are at the 3-3-1 three, three and one Indianapolis Colts this Sunday afternoon at 425. A mere two commander's defensive players were on the injury report for Wednesday. Uh, linebacker Cole Holcomb did not practice on Wednesday due to a foot injury. Uh, that is concerning, although Cole almost never misses time. And quarter William Jackson III did not practice on Wednesday, in theory, due to his back injury. But we all know the deal. 
with old WJ3. Uh, He has been inactive for each of the team's last two games, and he may well have played his final snap for Washington uh, with the NFL trade deadline coming up on November 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Jackson in the commander's loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5 was benched. And we on October 13th had that report from NFL insiders Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo, and Tom Pellicero of NFL Network and NFL.com that Jackson wanted to be traded, although Jackson has denied that report. But wow, seven games into the commander's regular season and just two defensive players were on the injury report for Wednesday, although this Cole Holcomb foot injury is something to monitor. But the biggest item regarding the commander's defense on Wednesday was a player who is coming off of injury, edge defender Chase Young. Uh, The expectation had been that Chase's 21-day practice window finally would be started on Wednesday, but that did not happen. A tweet from Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington on Wednesday morning, quote, Chase Young update, team source says no setback, but don't expect the clock to start today. Team wants to be cautious and have one more doctor visit. If all goes well, Young likely practices next week. Commander's focus is not rushing him back. End quote. Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, she tweeted the following on Wednesday morning, quote, the commanders are being extra cautious with Chase Young, so his return to practice may not be this week. He'll see the doc again before the team decides to designate him for return, end quote. Uh, With Ron Rivera out, Jack Del Rio did a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. This was Jack on what's going on with Chase Young. Yeah, he's uh, working hard. Um, he's he's close. Um, I know he's scheduled to meet with uh, with the doctors, and until he's cleared, we're just uh, rooting for him, you know. But he's doing a great job working hard and keeping his spirits high and um, staying involved mentally and, and being very engaged. And so, um, you know, but that until he gets the clearance, it's just a wait and see. Yes, it is. Wait and see. Uh, boy, we have been waiting and seeing nothing with Chase Young for a while now. The mechanics of the Chase Young situation can be confusing and have been misrepresented, so let's be clear about what the deal is. Chase Young is on what is called the reserve physically unable to perform list, uh, what is also known as the pup list. Uh, He is not on the reserve injured list, aka injured reserve. Uh, The commanders put Chase on the pup list on August 23rd, Chase being on the reserve physically unable to perform list meant that he had to miss the commander's first four regular season games. He has been eligible to come off the pup list since week five. Uh, Well, we're now in week eight. The way that coming off the pup list works is the team starts a 21-day practice window within which a determination is made on whether the player will be moved from the pup list to the active roster. Uh, There actually had been some talk that Chase's practice window would start on Wednesday, and then he might play in this Sunday afternoon's game at the Colts. Uh, Well, that pretty clearly will not be happening. So why the delay? What is going on here? Uh, There has been a lot of mystery with this Chase Young injury and recovery. He suffered a torn right ACL in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th. 2021. We have since come to know that this was an especially bad ACL tear. Chase, in a post-OTA practice press conference this past June 1st, revealed that a graft from his left patellar tendon had been used for his right knee. Uh, That was an indication that his right ACL was reconstructed as opposed to being simply repaired. Uh, NFL insider Jordan Schultz this past August 23rd tweeted that Chase's injured right leg also had included a, quote, fully ruptured patella, end quote. And NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on October 2nd reported that Chase was, quote, targeting a midseason return, end quote. I know that a lot of people fear that Chase Young at some point here suffered a setback. I actually think that it's quite possible that Chase hasn't suffered a setback and just that the surgery and the recovery have been more complicated than anyone would have wanted and that the team and Chase are wanting to be very careful and conservative 
and him coming back to play. And I do applaud the commanders and Chase Young for this careful and conservative approach. Both Ron Rivera and Chase Young, in talking about the recovery, have spoken confidently, but have been very careful not to provide timetables or like boisterous proclamations. You know, this has been the exact opposite of quarterback Robert Griffin III's all-in for week one campaign for the Redskins 2013 season. However, you can both applaud the commanders and Chase Young for this careful and conservative approach and acknowledge that the injury and the recovery have not been what anyone would have wanted. I mean, Chase Young suffered the torn right ACL last November 14th. This episode of the podcast is for Thursday, October 27th. We are closing in on a full year since he got hurt. And there's the larger issue of where we now are in Chase Young's NFL career. His 2020 rookie season was great. His 2021 season was a big disappointment, lackluster play, and then the season-ending injury, which, as you may recall, came at the end of a game week in which his lackluster play was a major topic. And now his 2022 season more and more is looking like a lost season. The commanders this offseason have to decide on whether to exercise the fifth-year option in Chase Young's rookie contract, and there's a very good chance that they'll be making that decision off him having had one good season over his three NFL seasons, and the one good season will have been his most distant season, his 2020 rookie season. And while I still do expect the commanders to exercise the fifth-year option in Chase's rookie contract, that is not the slam dunk yes that everyone would have thought that it would have been when Washington took him with the number two pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Chase Young was supposed to have been established as a dominant edge defender by now. That is not the case. To say nothing, by the way, of how it has been obvious for a while now that Washington should not have taken Chase Young with the number two pick in the 2020 draft. Washington clearly should have taken quarterback Justin Herbert with that number two pick in the 2020 draft. The Los Angeles Chargers took Herbert with the number six pick in that draft. Uh, you certainly could argue that Washington should have taken quarterback Tua Tungavailoa with the number two pick in the 2020 draft. The Miami Dolphins took Tua with the number five pick in that draft. Heck, you could argue that Washington should have taken corner Jeff Okuda with the number two pick in the 2020 draft. The Detroit Lions took Okuda with the number three pick in that draft. Okuda is having a very nice 2022 season. Now look, these are all hindsight takes. I totally get that, uh, but you get the idea. My hope is that Chase Young, whenever he plays this season, assuming that he plays this season, hits the ground running, plays really well, and has us all excited for his 2023 season. I think at this point, that's the realistic hope for Chase Young in the 2022 season, that he does come back to play, and whenever he comes back to play, he hits the ground running, plays really well, and gets us all pumped for his 2023 season. But, you know, that scenario playing out far from a certainty right now. What about Chase if slash when he does play this season? Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on how he sees Chase Young fitting in when he comes back. Yeah, that's that. That will be, you know, what what will be about is just uh, having him come back and and play a role and fit in, and um, he'll fit in great. Now, what could be part of the Commanders taking things slow with Chase Young is that their defensive line has been great so far this season. And you know, that's another part of the Chase Young conversation. How and why is it that Washington's defense played its best last season without Chase Young? And how and why is it that Washington's defensive line has been so good this season without Chase Young? Like, what does all of that say about the importance of Chase Young? But anyway, the commander's defensive line has been really good so far this season. The commanders through week seven have the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number four in the NFL in run defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Now, the commanders also are just number 29 in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA, but that run defense ranking really does speak to the defensive line and other units as well. Uh, but number six in the NFL in pressure percentage per sport radar, number seven in the NFL in team sack percentage. And what's especially notable about the commanders generating pressures and sacks this season is that the team is doing this 
without blitzing much. The Commanders through Week 7 are just number 17 in the NFL in blitz percentage per sport radar for the 2022 regular season. This was Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on going with so many four-man rushes in the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Well, obviously there's there's confidence in the group to get it done because that was that was a large part of the plan. Um, but each week we're, we're game plan specific. Um, you know, different challenges come up each week, and uh, and so yeah, you put together a plan for for that game for that opponent, and uh, and then you move on to the next one. And the next one for the Commanders is this game at the Colts this Sunday afternoon. Now, we this past Monday had the big announcement from Colts head coach and former Maryland quarterback Frank Reich. The Colts benching starting quarterback Matt Ryan and going with Sam Ellinger as their starting quarterback. And Reich said that, quote, right now the move is for Sam to be the starter for the rest of the season, end quote. Uh, Matt Ryan does have a grade two shoulder separation, but this quite clearly is a benching, uh, not an injury-induced change. Sam Ellinger has never started an NFL regular season game. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on preparing for a quarterback in Sam Ellinger, who has never made an NFL regular season start. Yeah, we do the best we can. Look at look at all of it. Um, obviously, uh, uh, last week it was similar thing for Green Bay to go through, right? Um, I mean, we had Taylor played last year, so maybe a little more history on him, but um, still, it's uh, very similar uh, in that uh, guys getting an opportunity to play, um, they they like him. He, he's got some of that some of that greatiness that, that Taylor does, um, kind of a scrappy guy, um, can extend some plays and do some things, so um, yeah, we're gearing up for the challenge, you know, we, we respect everybody, and um, uh, certainly, you know, the way they're able to run the football and and do certain things. Um, they've got, you know, good receiver talent, and, and they've got a guy they're excited about getting a look at. And so, you know, we're geared up and ready to go. We've looked at all that, though, you know, I mean, all the way back to looking at draft reports. So uh, been pretty thorough in terms of getting prepared for them. Well, the Colts took Sam Ellinger in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Texas. He was a quarterback for the Longhorns for four seasons, 2017 through 2020. He is mobile, 33 rushing touchdowns over 46 career games at Texas. For what it's worth, he did play well in the 2022 preseason. Uh, Ellinger for the 2022 preseason registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 90.6 PFF grades or on a scale of 0 to 100. But you heard Jack Del Rio mention the Colts' running game. Uh, Yeah, that this season has not been close to what the Colts' running game was last season. Uh, The Colts' offensive line has not been good this season. The Colts, through Week 7, number 21 out of 32 NFL teams in team run block win rate per ESPN for the 2022 regular season. And not so coincidentally, running back Jonathan Taylor's production has declined significantly. Taylor, for the 2021 regular season, rushed for an NFL-best 1,811 yards, an average 5.45 yards per carry. Taylor, so far in the 2022 regular season, is averaging 4.24 yards per carry. That's not awful, but that is a major falloff from where he was at last season. The commander stopping the run on Sunday certainly would seem to be of major importance because if they do that, Uh, That'll make the Colts one-dimensional and force Sam Ellinger in his first career NFL regular season start to have to throw a lot. It's nice to have the commander's defense in a good place. The defense certainly isn't perfect. There still are things on which the commanders need to improve defensively. You think about increasing the takeaways. You think about continuing to work to prevent explosive plays. You think about avoiding costly penalties. But there is a lot to like with this commander's defense right now. Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on these days getting asked questions about positive developments with the defense as opposed to what was happening earlier in the season when he was getting asked questions about negative developments with the defense. It's very normal. I've been doing this a long time. The ebb and flow of the season, um, the highs and the lows. I think it's important that we remain um, steadfast, you know, um, diligent, you know, work, workmanlike, and you prepare, and then you compete, you know, and then you move on to next. And, and so whether, 
you know, whether we're super excited or whether we're a little disappointed, whatever it might be, it, it, it's on to next and the and next opportunity, next challenge. And, and that's where we are right now, uh, taking our football team into Indy. All right, up next, much more on the Commanders, including quarterback Taylor Heineke with some very insightful and revealing comments on his relationship with receiver Terry McLaurin. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are big issues. A great way to ensure internet security and privacy is with a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a tool that encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address and virtual location. A VPN significantly boosts your online privacy and security, and there's no VPN that's better than NordVPN. Uh, the setup is easy. The benefits are many. You can secure your online data from internet thieves and third parties. You won't need to worry about unsecure websites or unsecure apps anymore. You won't need to worry about being on public Wi-Fi anymore. All of your internet traffic will be routed through a remote server. So you can access websites that are restricted in your country. You can have access to sports from all over the world and can have access to, say, not just the U.S. version of Netflix, but also the United Kingdom's version of Netflix. Uh, Also, NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. And NordVPN allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. So here's what you do. Go to NordVPN dot com slash Al Galdi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you would like to join the revolution that is the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to suit up and be a part of the revolution, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Well, whereas the commander's defense is pretty healthy right now in terms of players on the 53-man roster, the commander's offense right now does have its share of injuries. Uh, We on Wednesday afternoon got the first injury report for the 3-3 Commanders game at the 3-3-1 Indianapolis Colts this Sunday afternoon at 425. There were 10 Commanders players on the injury report. Eight of the 10 players were offensive players. Receiver Jahan Dodson did not practice on Wednesday due to the hamstring injury that has caused him to be inactive for the commander's last two games. And remember, he, during last Thursday's practice, aggravated the injury. Uh, Tight end Cole Turner did not practice on Wednesday due to the concussion that he suffered in the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Right guard Sadiq Charles did not practice on Wednesday due to illness, while right tackle Samuel Cosme was a full participant in practice 
on Wednesday as he comes off his finger injury, what is a reported left thumb injury for which he underwent surgery on October 4th. Cosme for the win over the Packers was active, but he did not play in the game. And you wonder with Sadiq having this illness, if we this Sunday at the Colts might see what has been talked about. Cosme at right guard with his replacement at right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, remaining at right tackle. Uh, Also, tight end Logan Thomas was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He, for the win over the Packers, was inactive for a third consecutive game due to a calf injury. Receiver Deami Brown was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He, for the win over the Packers, was inactive due to a groin injury. Running back Jonathan Williams was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He, for the win over the Packers, was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a knee injury that he suffered in a loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. And also on the injury report for the Commanders on Wednesday was quarterback Taylor Heineke, though he was listed as a full participant in practice. So good news there, but he was listed as dealing with a calf ailment. Uh, Remember, Taylor's college head coach, former Old Dominion head coach, Bobby Wilder, uh, he and my conversation with him on Wednesday's show, episode 429, told us that Taylor was rather banged up coming out of the win over the Packers. Now, before we go any further, uh, I have to play this for you. Some scheduled fun for you. So as I talked about earlier in the show, head coach Rod Rivera was not at Wednesday's commander's practice due to being in California to tend to a personal matter concerning his mother. And so defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio for Wednesday served as the team's acting head coach. Jack did the usual Rod Rivera post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. As you likely know by now, uh, Jack Del Rio never talks about injuries. I mean, he rarely says much of anything at his press conferences, but he especially hates talking about injuries. Uh, Jack is Ron times 10 in terms of not wanting to talk about injuries, never mind talking about what may be going on with his team's starting quarterback. And so take a listen to this. Take a listen to the degree to which Jack wants no part of this. Uh, We on Wednesday afternoon had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Jack Del Rio. Uh, are you able to give us any clarity on Taylor Heineke as far as will he be good for the game with him being on the injury report? And Sorry? Any, anything you can tell us about Heineke's injury? I practiced today. Uh, okay. uh, uh, no, I think that's not much to talk about. Cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, sounds good. Uh, like Homie the Clown on In Living Color, Jack Del Rio with injuries. Homie, don't play that, okay? It's as simple as that. I don't know why, but few things are as entertaining to me as these Jack Del Rio press conferences. I guess because he so doesn't want to do them, and so seeing this struggle of him having to do them while not wanting to do them is just very entertaining to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I get a kick out of that. Uh, Well, also doing a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon was Taylor Heineke, uh, a big topic in recent days has been the Taylor Heineke impact. The impact of our guy Tay-Tay. Players truly seem to feed off of him. I mean, how about what happened after Taylor's second touchdown pass in the win over the Packers? His third quarter, first and 10, 30-70-yard shotgun play action touchdown bomb to receiver Terry McLaurin on a perfectly thrown ball by Taylor. Uh, The touchdown pass, by the way, had a completion probability of just 19.8% for the NFL's next-gen stats, making the reception the most improbable reception of Week 7 for the NFL's next-gen stats. And then we had what happened after the touchdown. Terry McLaurin, the normally mild-mannered Terry McLaurin, screaming like a maniac. He was all kinds of fired up. It was so great to see that. In fact, Taylor Heineke on Wednesday afternoon said the following about Terry McLaurin. After that 37-yard touchdown to him, I've never seen him so animated. Um, even on the field, he like pushed me. He was yelling at me. It was really cool. But and then I saw a clip, you know, when I got back to my phone, where he kept going. Um, he took his helmet off. He was screaming. I was like, "This is cool, man. You've never seen that part of Terry. Uh, at least I haven't." So um, you know, when you see Terry like that, that gets everyone juice because he's mostly a calm, collected guy. Um, 
so yeah, you know, again, if, if we can get him like that on in, against Indy at home in front of his family, uh, it'll be a special one for him. Yeah, that was some moment from Terry McLaurin. And yeah, Terry is from Indianapolis, where the Commanders happen to be playing a game this Sunday. But this was Taylor Heineke on Wednesday afternoon on the impact that he does seem to have on his teammates. You know, we were talking about this. You know, Terry said after the game, uh, he goes out there and plays it like it's like it's his last game he's gonna, ever going to play. And I think that sometimes rubs off on people and they want to kind of match that energy. So, um, you know, if, if that's something added to, you know, help the team out, it's great. Yes, it is. Uh, here was Jack Del Rio on Wednesday afternoon on why Taylor Heineke has had such an apparent impact on teammates. Uh, I think the guys really appreciate his grit- grittiness. You know, um, he's just he's just a guy that sells out, finds a way, scrappy, um, never gives up. That's kind of how he's made it to be in here, and how he's been able to impact us in a positive way when he's played. So you heard Jack Del Rio use the word grittiness. In talking about Taylor Heineke, that word or some version of it gets used a lot with Taylor, right? Grit. Uh, Taylor on Wednesday afternoon on if he likes being associated with grit. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of been my story growing up. I've always been told I was too, you know, small, not strong enough arm. So I had to find something within me to, you know, make the make the leap and uh you know the grit has been carrying me for a long time so um that's yeah, it's definitely a big part of my game what about the nature of taylor heineke's performance in the win over the packers the atrocious start then the much better play as the game went on taylor began the game just one of seven for just 18 yards no touchdowns and a pick six but taylor over the rest of the game 19 to 26 for 183 yards two touchdowns and no interceptions. Taylor on Wednesday afternoon on whether it was difficult in the game to move on from his oh-so-bad start. Yeah, I I think I can move on pretty naturally. Um... You know, there's been there's a lot of games in college where I threw multiple picks and I just had to you know grind through it. Um, and it was it was kind of good practice for the NFL because in college we threw the ball 50 times. So you know you throw a pick, you just have to bounce back and and go back to square one. Um, and like I said on Sunday, that the good thing about what was happening was I was making all the right reads. That the balls just weren't being completed. Um, so yeah, then second half I made that adjustment and you know I think we did pretty well. All right, going back to Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, uh, one of the people who helped to get Taylor out of his funk to begin the win over the Packers was Terry. And not just by the plays that Terry made, uh, Terry talked to Taylor. More from Taylor on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, he, uh, again, I, I can't say enough about Terry. He's he's the, the pro's pro. Um you know, everything he does on the field and off the field. Um, he's a guy that you don't want to let down. So, you know, that that's part of it. And, again, he, he knows how to talk to you. Um, it's not one of those he's going to get up in your face and yell at you. Um, he's going to approach you as a, in, in a professional manner, um, but also put a little fire, fire in your ass. And uh, that's what he did on Sunday. And, um, you know, I can't thank him enough for that. Really good stuff there from Taylor Heineke on his relationship with Terry McLaurin. Speaks so much to the maturity of Terry and the non-diva nature of Terry. I mean, instead of yelling and screaming at his quarterback and whining and complaining about his quarterback like so many other diva receivers would have, Terry helped to get his quarterback out of his funk. How many other star big money receivers would have done that? Uh, Another aspect of the Taylor Heineke Terry McLaurin relationship is the frequency with which Taylor targets Terry. Uh, Taylor very much gives Terry chances, sometimes even when Taylor probably shouldn't. Uh, But this was Taylor on Wednesday afternoon on targeting Terry so much. He's our best receiver. Um, And I just try and give him a chance. Um, You know, he's proven... He's proven it year in, year in and year out that he, he can make those plays. So, you know, when I see him one-on-one, I want to give him that chance. Um, and, he's again, he's continued to make those plays. So, um, yeah. One more for you from Taylor Heineke. This was really good. So he got asked a question about how he has had to adjust as NFL defenses have adjusted to him 
as his sample size of NFL work has grown. Here was Taylor's answer. You know, there's a coverage called two man, which is, you know, two safeties high and they're playing man. And uh, usually you only play that against guys that kind of like are pocket passers, like the Brady's that can't really run. Um, and I'm not getting that coverage anymore because of my legs. Um, so what they're, you know, some people are doing now, they're, they have a spy guy, which they might have a linebacker just sitting there waiting for me to escape the pocket and he's he's right there to get me so um you know when i see that i know i have to make a play i have to make a throw and trust those guys to get open um and you know a prime example of that was um the big third down that we converted to curtis samuel uh third and 11 uh, across the middle they had a spy guy uh, number seven i think the linebacker was just sitting there waiting for me to scramble and i knew you know, i had to I had to find somebody open, and then I trust Curtis. He ran a great route, made a great catch. So um, it's just little things like that. You kind of notice how different defenses are playing you, Mm -hmm. and you kind of adjust accordingly. Yeah, that to me was a very good, insightful answer from Taylor Heineke. The play to which he was referring from the win over the Packers, Commander's ninth offensive drive, the 16-play, 72-yard drive, That consumed a whopping 8 minutes 48 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 31-yard field goal with 8 seconds left in the third quarter for a 2014 Commanders lead. The sixth snap of the drive on a third and 11 for the Commanders at their 39. Taylor Heineke, a 12-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel, who made a great leaping catch. Uh, Really interesting stuff from Taylor on the specifics of that play. Uh, Which was a third down play. Taylor Heineke on Sunday afternoon quarterbacked a commander's offense that went 7-16 on third downs. And this happened against a Packers defense that through week six was number one in the NFL in lowest opponent's third down efficiency for the 2022 regular season. And this happened with a commander's offense that over the team's previous two games had got a combined three of 22 on third downs. It is wild, man. Taylor Heineke's performance in that win over the Packers really was something over the first 17 minutes of the game, but very good over the rest of the game. All right, let's get to some college football. Week nine includes a game on Thursday night for Virginia Tech. And so I have a Goldilocks preview and pick for you. Even though Goldilocks have been a complete disaster this season, uh, the record is an atrocious 9 and 21. Just awful. Uh, Well, not unlike the Hokies. Uh, They are at number 24 NC State Thursday night at 7.30. Tech for WinBet as of very early Thursday morning is plus 13 and a half. Uh, The Hokies haven't played a game since October 15th when they fell to 2-5 and overall and 1-3 and in the ACC with a 2014 loss to Miami at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. Tech trailed at the end of the third quarter 20-0, did then win the fourth quarter 14-0, but the only reason that this game ended up being close was that Miami finished with a jaw-dropping 17 accepted penalties for 159 yards. So the Hokies' offense was really bad once again. Tech scored just 14 points, went just 4-15 on third downs, had just 257 total net yards of offense, and averaged just 4.08 yards per play. The Hokies, through Week 8, were 108th in the FBS in offensive efficiency per ESPN for this season. Uh, Tech quarterback and Marshall transfer Grant Wells was bad once again. He, over 33 pass attempts, had a yards per pass attempt of just 5.42. Now, in fairness to Wells, receiver Daquan Lofton had a killer drop in the third quarter. Is he on a third and 14 for the Hokies at their 21 drop? A surefire touchdown pass by Wells off. Wells doing a really nice job of scrambling forward and to his right on a shotgun throw. But still, Grant Wells, over seven games this season, has a yards per pass attempt of just 6.07. Uh, also, Wells, in this loss to Miami, took six sacks. He did have a touchdown pass and a touchdown run. Uh, the Hokies running game and the loss to Miami did very little. Running back Malachi Thomas had 13 carries for just 41 yards. He, on the first offensive play of the game, had a first and 10, 16-yard shotgun read option run, but he, over the rest of the game, had 12 carries 
for just 25 yards. He did have six receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. He ended up leading the Hokies in receptions and receiving yards for the game. But running back Keyshawn King, one carry for two yards, two receptions for four yards. And while Tech's defense did hold Miami to just 20 points, the Hokies gave up quite a bit. Tech allowed Miami to generate 458 total net yards of offense and to go 8-17 on third downs. And Tech allowed Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke to go 29 of 46 for 351 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. The Hokies registered two sacks. The Wolfpack of NC State is 5-2, and two, though the two losses have come over the Pack's last three games. October 1st, a 30-20 loss at then number 5 Clemson. Last Saturday, October 15th, a 24-9 loss at then number 18 Syracuse. NC State's offense isn't good and is without starting quarterback Devin Leary for the rest of the season due to a torn pectoral muscle. NC State made that announcement last Saturday. However, the Pack's defense is quite good. Uh, NC State through week eight, number nine in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN for this season. 13 and a half points, a lot of points to lay in a game between two bad offensive teams, but Tech really isn't good, and so I will take the Wolfpack minus the 13 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. More from you on Friday's show. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 431, will be a football Friday extravaganza. In-depth preview of the three and four commanders at the three, three, and one Indianapolis Colts this Sunday afternoon at 425. Presumably, commander's head coach Rod Rivera will be doing a post-practice press conference on Thursday off not being at practice on Wednesday due to being in California to tend to a personal matter concerning his mother. Uh, We expect to hear from offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Thursday via post-practice press conference, so we'll have a good bit to discuss. I'll have a guest on the show to talk Colts, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. He has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. We're going to cover a lot of ground, including why exactly the Colts have been starting quarterback Matt Ryan in favor of Sam Ellinger, the extent to which Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay dictated that decision, what say the Colts now about having traded away quarterback Carson Wentz to the Commanders this past March, and the indie perspective on Jim Irsay at the NFL's Fall League meeting in Manhattan, New York on October 18th, saying of Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner, end quote. A lot to get to with Mike Chappell on Friday's show. Also on the show, I'll give you my rhyming keys for a Commander's win at the Colts, and I'll give you a prediction for the game. I'll also talk college football. Uh, I'll discuss whatever happens for Virginia Tech in its game at number 24 NC State on Thursday night at 7.30, and I'll give you Goldilocks previews and picks for Virginia and Navy. The Cavaliers home to Miami Saturday afternoon at 12.30. The Midshipmen home to Temple Saturday afternoon at 3.30, and I'll talk Capitals. So the Caps have a game on Thursday night at the Dallas Stars at 8.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Uh, are you able to give us any clarity on Taylor Heineke as far as will he be good for the game with him being on the injury report? And Sorry? Any, anything you can tell us about Heineke's injury? I practiced today. Uh, uh, no, I think that's not much to talk about. Cool.